Welcome to another episode of MyBigShort.com. We are getting into more relevant content and I have to tell you about a really interesting call. Um, it's regarding psychological stress and its impact um, in, in life. So let me put this into context. I posted this blog on uh, my WordPress site and it's really an analogy that I would like to stress for people that you know feel that there's something wrong with them but in essence it could be a lesson you know it, it could be a lesson that one actually requires for that type of uh, growth uh, to take place. So the title of the blog was Psychological Stress uh, Destroyed My Backhand. So to start the story off, I spent quite a considerable amount of part-time um, effort um, in the sport of tennis and uh, a documentary about Marty Fish, uh, it was on Netflix. The series is called Untold. And what's great about that documentary, it's, it details the psyche of the performance anxiety associated with professional tennis. But I would like to use this as a segue in mybigshort.com, the study of human moves, because we in life are dealt all sorts of adversity and this particular phenomenon occurred to me where I could not understand what's happening at the time but performance anxiety is real it's more adopted now than it was in the past and I feel we can learn a lot from this so people going through all sorts of difficulties whether it's mental or whether it's uh, physiological, I feel that there is a connection. So going back to the blog, I um, titled it Psychological Stress uh, Destroyed My Backhand. And I go into, I was at university and I was playing more tennis um, as, a, as, a, as a sport that was recognized and I, and I had spent a considerable amount of time uh, being coached, but still I was the type of student who wanted to have my own way and my own um, method of, of going about things. So I would be described as one of those students that, you know, they showed up, but in terms of taking the, the coach's technical fundamentals, maybe it wasn't used most effectively when it was needed the most. So the, at university, I had obviously the rackets that I used in high school. Um, it's not really the equipment side of things, but tennis is a very difficult sport. It's like other sidearm sports. It's a very unnatural movement. You need to be in certain positions that involve major muscles extending from you know your upper extremity your shoulder mobility and working all the way down to your feet 
by using your legs a lot um, in the different strokes. And just like in other sports, you know, you have your phases of learning and crafting a certain technique. So I would describe myself as being someone who was coachable, but often maybe difficult in terms of, you know, you didn't really execute what we had discussed. It's kind of like in the moment, I felt that, you know, I just went for something in hesitation because panic or, you know, certain external uh, influences um, entered my mind and this affected unfortunately the motor performance so we are talking sports science and in this situation I was having a double backhand um, sorry double-handed backhand which was for me a decent looking stroke maybe when I was a junior but I felt that it was a weakness you know moving up into the higher ranks. Now I'm competing against people that have got very comprehensive and solid backhands and my backhand for some reason just it's not it's not it's not that it was um, easy to exploit it's just that the way in which I was uh, teaching myself about what the backhand should feel like and what is the start and what is the finish and not really going into all the different depth of what's the impact look like on the strings and you know what's my balance look like what is my feel what does my grip look like so i feel that i probably you know never really addressed a lot of those fundamentals in my backhand and then it got to a point where at university there were backhands that were working one evening and then all of a sudden in a moment of maybe uh, performance anxiety i completely blanked or I blocked a lot of my, my uh, you know, my backhands and they would actually, you know, there would be absolutely no feel for the spot. I was absolutely freezing at the point of contact, almost scared to hit the ball. And I feel that this is so much of what other people go through when they are, you know, trying to get to the hearts of their sports. And my simple uh, solution was you know, I don't need to go through with this anymore. So I decided that I would go straight to the one-handed backhand as a solution because I just couldn't, you know, deal with the fact that it was too embarrassing uh, to let people see what my double-handed backhand had, had resulted to. So this is, uh, you know, um, in, in psychological terms, I mean, this is kind of a, you know, a, a miniature uh, breakdown that's going on mentally because I was too concerned about what other people were thinking about you know not having confidence in this stroke of mine and, and also maybe there was a self-sabotage going on you know that I wasn't prepared to do the work to actually be in this position of un discomfort and work on my fundamentals to the point where it would be getting through all these points um, of not letting the pressure or not letting the, you know, the inner, the inner narrative take over. So it sounds quite rough, but there's such a caveat here for, you know, life's lessons where we are not feeling very good about something. We are in a environment that is quite toxic 
and we are unable to cognitively make reasons and you know read read the you know the fine print a little bit better because you know we, we we're going through psychological stress um, that is cognitively impairing a person um, in the moment and in my case there was no time to actually think, but based on confidence and based on how much time I've spent, you know, getting my double-handed backhand to some level where it's not such an obvious weakness, you know, I um, I would think back now and say, look, there was there was certain feel that I wasn't being, um, you know, honest about. I was really just trying to get it over and done with and. And not, and not, uh, you know, not have to deal with it. I mean, I would be also described as being a tennis player that would run around uh, the backhand side and, and and go for the forehand. So, so that kind of also happens because my single-handed backhand slice became obviously my go-to, and then fitness and foot skills were the consequence of having a very bad double-handed, uh, you know, backhand. Um, weakness so watching this documentary on netflix and just doing some research i came to some very interesting information that this is psychologically you know very well uh, received in the medical community now it it was called the yips so someone that is standing over a putt in golf or even possibly a musician that uh, basically gets stage fright this, this I can only um, describe to being, you know, not just a form of focal dystonia, which is the medical uh, term that's attached to this phenomenon, but, you know, you've been relying on a certain neurological pathway to execute this performance. And whether it's fundamentally sound or not, I feel that if there's quite a lot of weight uh, placed on doing certain, uh, you know, patterns over and over again. You know, you, you reach a state of burnout um, where in terms of execution, you've reached a, a point where there's been too much reliance um, on a certain way of doing something. And that's why it definitely in my, in my case as a junior, it just, it was a panic attack. It was uh, not really having a plan B in the moment. And the confidence does take a huge knock. So relating this back to life, I, uh, you know, this is a good 19 or 20 years later, you know, I play a similar sports still, which, in, which encourage, uh, you know, the same concepts of precision performance. And, uh, I've overcome those by using ISM as a method to um, deal with what potentially could become uh, the yips or focal dystonia. So it's all about the fundamentals um, of how you, for example, if I go back to that double-handed backhand, if I had used my shoulder rotation and I could feel, you know, the dissociation in the pre-swing um, I would probably have these physical cues that I could rely on rather than me thinking um, obviously throughout the the motion or throughout the kinematic sequence 
So I was very different in the way in which I made sense of things. And I feel that that overused um, a certain routine to the point where it reaches a dystonia. I've seen this with golfers. And that's why the ISM is something I'm looking into a bit more um, in terms of research, because it refers to using a different side of your brain uh, to take off the possible um, inhibitions that are associated with thinking about it too much or not trying to isolate uh, chains of the movement so that you feel like you are most prepared or you only go forward if you um, are in, a, in the right state of mind. So 20 years down the line, I would actually forgive myself for feeling um, completely helpless in that moment and do tell you that was the first encounter I ever had with focal dystonia. And um, yeah, a very good learning experience. So I think about the hours in which one had to, you know, understand that this is this is now the, you know, the the management that you need to, you know, carry around with you. But I, I, I can say that, you know, it was a, just a tolerance and a expectation level that needed resetting. Um, because once again, we are our worst enemy in the most of times. So just to end off on the study of human moves, um, an application of this is definitely uh, when it comes to how it affects you in the workplace. So not just the toxic environment, but let's, you know, let's, let's look at um, a scenario that might play out for a policeman. So the police are constantly encountering psychological stress, but, you know, the job is of such a nature that if they get too involved with understanding in the moment, um, all the anal analytics uh, that, that surround this task, then that person is more likely to, you know, in, encounter the freeze or even the paralysis because now that analysis by paralysis comes in. So this paper, for example, assessed um, activities between 20 and 130 seconds and the participants were placed in a dimly illuminated anteroom before allowed to enter a brightly lit room and uh, yeah they measured heart rates they um, yeah they basically measured cognitive ability and the pupil size so the study really just comes down to psychological stress can be correlated to all these different markers that are happening to your body in the moment. And I hope that you're not scared to hit a tennis ball, but if you are, that's going to make uh, cognitive abilities even more uh, stunted in the moment because there's too much thinking going on in order for you to execute a certain motor function. So my advice that applies to life would be that you would need to try and find an alternative pathway to possibly do a task 
and I'm not asking people that are right-handed to think about doing more tasks with their left hand, but if your life depended on it, you would most most likely, uh, you know, write with your right hand if your life depended on it. But giving yourself the opportunity to do simple tasks with your left hand, it changes the pathway that is effectively getting, you know, words written on a piece of paper. And that actually does contribute to, let's call it a, a more balanced uh, mental um, health in terms of um, acquiring, acquiring new skills um, to cope, but also to deal um, when obstacles are, are thrown at you. And that is uh, the episode. Thank you very much for listening and big thanks to mybigshort.com for making this happen and we'll see you soon.